0: When we uh, begin to put everybody in a category and say, that's who they are, and we've removed their humanity, and somehow we're unable to see that even though his skin is brown and his skin is white and his skin is yellow, that's still my brother. That is my brother. And so when he hurts, we hurt. When they hurt, we hurt.
1: Hey there, welcome to the second episode of the Better Stories podcast. Um, it's great to be with you guys. I hope you're enjoying this series. By now, you should have heard the interview that I did last month with Mike Masterman and his great stories, um, as all well as our first live event that we hosted at the McNemer House. I'm getting ready to launch our second live event on this podcast as well, so stay tuned for that recording. Um, and this has been fun. It, it, it's been a great time kind of hearing stories from different people, as well as just challenging my own heart to look around and look at the stories uh, that are happening right in front of me. And I'm going to have a few of those to share in the coming months, some that are funny, some that are heartbreaking. And I uh, can't wait to to share those with you. But today, today is a fun interview. I sat down, um, had to take a trip to Grand Rapids, Michigan, for an annual meeting, um, and it was that exciting. Uh, But over the course of that weekend, I sat down with three really good friends of mine: um, a friend named Matt, a friend named Jamel, and a friend named Mac William Mac. And uh, these are these are guys that I've gotten to know in the world of church planning. Um, We're we're from the same kind of church denomination tribe. And uh, we just have a blast together. And uh, these these are some of my heroes, guys that are that are out there doing ministry creatively, um, sharing life with people. And it's it's fun because these three guys are all in the heart of Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, you're gonna get to hear their story. You're gonna get to hear what's going on in their lives right now. Um, and you're gonna get to hear their heart for for life, for ministry, for purpose, for racial reconciliation. And there's a lot of power in this interview so I hope you enjoy it and you will also hear that we have a lot of fun together and we like to laugh so this is better stories interview two with Matt Ness, Jamel Armstrong and William Mack. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah welcome guys why don't you maybe each introduce yourselves all coming from Louisville, Kentucky. My wife is from Kentucky, and she says it's not Louisville.
0: Yes, it's not Louisville. So, you have a very wise wife. Yeah, yes. she's
1: great. She's a UK fan, so that's not it. A- well, <laughs> We all need healing and spirit. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
0: Amen. Now, she's a wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs 31 all the way. That's mm.
1: right. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves and kind of just who you are.
2: All right. Well, uh, my name is Jamel Armstrong. Um Louisville, Kentucky, of course. Um, and I pastored a church called One Church with Matt Ness, who's here.
3: Well, that's, that's the throw to me. I'm Matt Ness. <laughs> I'm same city, same church, really
0: generic introduction. <laughs> My name is William Mack. I'm not at one church, um, but I am in Louisville, so I guess that puts me in a group. Um, yeah, Grace Community Church, Louisville, Kentucky.
2: Which is one church. It's, it is
0: one it church. It is one church. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not y'all's one. It's not.
2: It's not named one church. But it's like one is in singular.
1: And This is why I love hanging out with these guys. <laughs> <laughs>
3: these, uh, these we're going to plant a church called a church. A church. Not a church. <laughs> or we're, the one church. church is a
1: really creative name, though. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
2: you. We we you know. It took a while. It <laughs> took a while to come up with that.
1: So talk about, you guys are all planning churches in Louisville. Talk about that city. Talk about that context. Why did you go there? What's the what's the draw? What's the thing that, that kind of hit your heart and, and pulled you toward that?
0: Yeah. yeah, so I think the question is interesting because we are in, we're in the same city, but we're in two totally different contexts, right? And then Jamel and I are both from Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I give you a different Hometown every time somebody talks about you. Yeah. I, he used some sort candy the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, Louisville's always been home. And, um, and, and I never had any attention ever, 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 ever of, of, of planting or pastoring or doing anything ministry-wise in Louisville. It was truly a, a call from God. Um, the area that we have planted in is uh, called Portland. We're right on the port of the river um, on the northwest quadrant of Louisville. Um, It is um, um, racially divided 53%, uh, Caucasian, 47%, African-American, and then um, I think we got eight Hispanic families. Um, I can count them, I know. (laughs) um, And so, yeah, so we're literally almost divided half and half black, white. Um, It is the poorest area in the city of Louisville. At one point, we had three of the lowest-performing schools, um, in the city In a, the, in the, in the state Um, and, um I started working in that area As a community center director And, um the Lord just really started tugging on my heart for there to be um, some gospel work to be done there, Um, but I'd never lived in Portland before then, so it literally was just a call from God. Um, My wife and I were planning to move to Virginia Beach, Virginia and um, I was going to go to seminary there and then from there go someplace else, but it was not going to be Louisville, Kentucky. Um, So yeah, It was just really the call of God because I'd never been in Portland before then and um, really had no desires of my own to be there.
2: Yeah, so I love the way he hyper spiritualizes the story. Let me tell the truth. <laughs> 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 oh gosh, truth. He, don't like a good <laughs> he don't tell his version. Tell the, the truth. truth. <laughs> um, I, again, just like this Matt, a I'm, I'm a native uh, from Louisville, and so, uh, so we both worked at local churches, and um, and, and people are known for abandoning Louisville, um, and so, uh, so definitely felt the call to try to do do church. Different, I guess. I, I really hate the way that's been overused over time, but mm-hmm. just to bring a different flavor of ministry to the city, and so, uh, so I felt that call to plant, and um, and so you know, I'm like, well, I want to meet some people who can help to to do so. And so, um, so we were introduced through a mutual friend <laughs> and um, and so we're at lunch, man, and, and I feel like God's like, man, you know, get to know him a little better. And so so we end up connecting a couple of times. Um, I' going to go on preach at uh, the church that he served at for them um,
0: once. And, um, and I'll let you know about that sermon. That's that's a great story for another podcast. <laughs> well, that
2: was the um, that wasn't the sermon. That was the Don Sunday the Don school. Sunday school yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Something like so, I fired from your Bible
2: <laughs> So so I um so I meet with them and I'm like, man, I could really use like I would love to have like a strong pastoral team. Like he would be cool. And so um, so. We sit down, and uh, I took him to lunch. I mean, really paid the big,
0: big meal. Uh, man, he got Chick-fil-A me, number two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got me the big drink. Big drink, man. I said, listen, <laughs> get whatever you Whenever want, you brother. Want
2: whatever you want. <laughs> it's yeah. on me. It's on me. And, uh, you know, but to share with him what God <laughs> laid on my heart and everything. And he says, well, you know, I heard you preach. I, I think God wants me to pastor, not you. And so he decided <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: So, I was desperate to give him like a great shout out, and they just lied, just lied. So what happened at that meeting? Is
3: it that wasn't he, a number two; it was a number three. Everything else <laughs> is true. <Right. laughs> Everything else is
1: true. When Chick Fil A was Burger King. <laughs> These are not better stories. We have to filter the true stories. The true, yes, story, a right. true, true stories. True, true stories. stories of
0: Louisville church planners. Yes. That's what it sounds like. But no. <laughs> Every time he tells his version of events, it changes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but real talk, it's your story. Well, just- listen, no, no, no.
2: It, he, that, he did share then uh, that, you know, God laid it under his heart. So I, um, you know, we actually just, that was like the beginning of our friendship, really. Um, but I, um, yeah, just really felt, you know, like most cities in the South, um, it's Louisville seems to be over But statistically, it's not. And so our city is more than 70% unchurched. And so um, just really felt the call from youth ministry, you know, going out and trying to reach some of the kids in the neighborhood where I served. And I've just noticed a trend that there were so many families that were within walking distance of the churches, and we served at pretty significantly sized churches. And uh, so many families who just felt disconnected. I felt like they weren't even worthy enough to come in. And so I felt like God was calling me to kind of reach out to those people, which is um, how we kind of got started. That's
1: awesome. And then talk about, so William you're kind of on in in your church, and then Jamel and Matt are serving together at one church. Talk about that merger and and what, because Matt, you were in a different setting, different church setting.
3: um, Yeah, so I ended up. I grew up in in Minneapolis. Matt. You can write that down,
2: <laughs> Minneapolis, which is like a suburb of Spokane. Norwegian. <laughs> Norwegian. 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 I grew up in That's American. right. <laughs> yeah.
3: We they went to Kentucky schools. <laughs> but uh, I grew up in Two Minneapolis.
2: Uh, I, I had graduation uh, potential.
3: <laughs> pastored in in Wisconsin for for a while, and uh, my whole family came together up there, and then we. My wife and I felt like we wanted to. We were supposed to start a nonprofit, and we wanted to see by faith if we could just start caring for some people in Ethiopia. And um, she had already started some orphanages, so we went to get young girls out of prostitution into education and jobs. And uh, we wanted to move and give our kids a fresh start because four came through adoption. Everybody knew their story. We wanted to just be a family. And so we knew we needed an airport and a children's hospital. And we happened to be driving through Louisville, <laughs> and we passed an airport and a children's hospital. And we're like, well, <laughs> so we he's, should. He's no no lie, this is the character. true story. <laughs> this is the true story. So we said, well, Louisville's got a children's hospital and <laughs> an <at the> airport. <laughs> this is great. <boring. laughs> not lying. I was like, we should move there. <laughs> and Nikki said, okay. So on the drive back, I called my Elders. And I said, we're moving to Louisville. I need to resign. And we didn't know when school started. <laughs> school starting in two weeks. So we found a house on Craigslist <laughs> 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 and moved down to Louisville and then realized we didn't have a job.
0: Or you, money to- But you had an airport and a children's house a <laughs> long right? Long. So we're good. <laughs> that's all they did. you didn't know that. No, I didn't know that's that. How, that's how I. That's how we found. So Google. in my head, well, first of all, you're not from Minneapolis. That's, that's such a back city. So like in my head, <laughs> you're from Spokane, <laughs> it's and you were pastoring a church. Like that's what I tell people, he was like an associate pastor someplace else, and he was called down here to help out the Avenue, and no. then he moved in. No, I would have never thought that you played bingo and. and <laughs> Drove past the hospital and the airport Did you just say
1: Minneapolis is such a white city? Is that what you said? Well, white and white Just for our listeners, William is not a white man He's an African (laughs) I didn't say white I
0: said whack But there are a lot of white people up there though Yes, a lot of white people up
1: there Minnesota, eh? Hey, hey. <laughs> okay. So Matt, you started your church, the Avenue, or you no. were, it was already started? No, his, his story is so confused right now. Yeah, we yeah. So I, I no, 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 no. i will
2: say it, but no, it's we have time, but it's not. So I came
3: down to yeah. start run the nonprofit. We did that. We started it. It's still going. Nikki, my wife, runs that. The pastor at this church called the Avenue <laughs> invited me to come, like preach sometimes, and. Paid me pretty fair to come preach once a month, work in the office one day a week. I sign up, I do that. I'm still running the nonprofit, and then he decides to leave. And so the church was kind. Of, I'm giving the short version, but the church was like, "Well, will you pastor this church?" I said, "No." So will you pastor it? No, I'm not interested. And then, um, and then I ended up pastoring the church, thinking that. We had really dwindled, thinking that the church was just going to close. And the church became a bit healthier. um, But it was on the University of Louisville campus. We were reaching, like, college age, young families. But it was a very, very white church in a more diverse environment. But also my family had... My family's not all white. My family's not this, like, college-educated, successful... We we've got issues, and we felt called to people like us, Um, and we weren't doing a good job of that as a church. But we were reaching into a couple parts of the neighborhood that were reaching in the same parts of the neighborhood that Jamel's church were, and it felt to me like our churches were being like kind preschoolers that were parallel playing. Like (laughs) I'll be in the park here, you be in the park there, and we won't fight over it, but we won't join together. And that's kind of where it Mm -hmm. started so did you take him to
2: Chick-fil-A <laughs> Jamel? Hmm? did you take him to Chick-fil-A well he's you know he's more of a coffee guy
0: I bought okay. him <laughs> and now he's throwing fat jokes <laughs> <laughs> for your listening audience William is also in a, a, a pleasantly plump African American male <laughs> that, that Jamel first told me was a vegan <laughs> If you're listening, audience, he is not a vegan. He is black. He is round. He is brown, kind of like Gerald Levert or Luther Vandross or whatever sexy black man comes to your mind. Back to you, Justin.
1: <laughs> Our West Virginia audience is really confused. They really are,
0: and they're Googling all those people going. Gerald is that with a GRJ?
1: <laughs> but
0: he's not bad looking though. That's what does look like?
1: So I I do want to talk about this. We are all part of a denominational family, a tribe that that speaks a lot and um, is engaging conversations about racial reconciliation. And, you know, as someone who grew up in a small town, rural community, 98% white, um, those conversations started for me when I found our tribe and found our our denomination um, in a different way. You know, and and I think a lot of times my struggle, my tension is, well, how do I have this conversation in a community where it's not happening, you know, where these conversations are not happening? And I think the the gift of our friendship has been the reality that this isn't a conversation, this is life. This is sharing life together. And our friendship formed not because I was like, hey, I'm part of a denomination, I should have some black friends, (laughs) but... Because we were thrown together in ministry and in, in settings, and it's it's been an incredible gift. The friendship first, but also the perspective of understanding. Hey, this is this is something that needs to affect my life and shift my life. And, I, and I'd love just for you guys to share a little bit. So, Matt and Jamel, you're forming a church in this this divided, but now we're going to intentionally try to be multicultural. Um, Mac, you're you're in the same setting, and and. You're a part of this, and I would just love just share your hearts about that. Like, what what have you guys experienced? And I know this is a huge conversation, a huge question, but anything that comes to mind of what what are you experiencing, what are you seeing, um, what what would you challenge people with in in our context? I, I spoke at
3: a church a couple months ago that was in this valley that people in that valley say that conversations on race don't really need to happen for them because they're white. Although every city and landmark is named after, like, native populations. So, like, okay, already there's something betraying that truth. But <clears throat> but the conversation, even with, like, really mature Christians, is we don't even need to talk about it. Um, and it's not like this defined, angry, I don't want to, but, like, it's irrelevant for us because everyone's white. So they brought me in. Um, I think sometimes I get asked to speak because I'm safer because, I don't know if listeners know this, Matt is the white guy and Jamel is the is the black guy <laughs> in the story, but... They didn't know. <laughs> they, did. they couldn't tell by the way I was speaking or no. anything like that. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I'll get invited to speak about race in white churches, I think, because it looks safer because my skin matches. So I go in there to talk about race and out of the letters in Peter and... Um, But it was interesting, afterwards, there were like probably 10, 15 people, and the church wasn't huge, but 10, 15 people of color who seemed to be sneaking out of the rows that you didn't necessarily see in the church, but they found their way there. And they were maybe uh, of mixed race, or they were, but they were really struck by, I've never, I've lived in this valley my entire life, and I've never spoken of race, I've never felt seen because it's, to the majority of people, this is an irrelevant conversation Mm -hmm. and this is my life. Mm. Um, And it was just another reminder that even if you're around 102% of the exact same ethnicity of you, this is a needed conversation because the, the bad theology that leaks out of that is we are made in the image of God and people who are made different than us um, or maybe lesser, or maybe you, you just never think about it. I heard some people at the dinner table last night talking about, um, uh, there was a black guy and a white guy, and the, the black guy said, well, I have a friend who, who is white who does understand race because he was a minority in Detroit. And I was like, no, you s- we still don't, because I go to Ethiopia and I'm a minority so I know like the uncomfortableness of being a minority, but everybody in Ethiopia wants to see me, and I matter um, to the culture. and to. So being a white minority in Detroit, you're still white. You're the privileged minority. It's not the same, and those conversations, as awkward as they are and as hard as they are, they need to happen. Um, and so I hate speaking first about it, but like in your context, I would urge anybody even if you only see white people all day, maybe that means you need to have the conversation more um, because that's your context.
0: Yeah, so I think there's this whole, the whole they-we idea. Um, And I've had this conversation, I think it was on a panel discussion a couple years ago, and people were asking um, specifically why should we care about the Black Lives Matter movement? And um, you know our cities, our towns, our churches are predominantly white. Why should we care about what's going on with them? And um, you know, in my former life, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was a hippie. Um, <laughs> but I think when we, when we, when we um, begin to put everybody in a category and say that's who they are, and we remove their humanity, and somehow we're unable to see. That even though his skin is brown and his skin is white and his skin is yellow, that's still my brother. That is my brother. And so when he hurts, we hurt. When they hurt, we hurt. Um, And so shifting the language and understanding that, no, it may not directly affect your town, your city, your school, your church, but your brother is hurting. And the question um, that Lorraine Hansberry asked in uh, Raising in the Sun is, when's the last time you cried for your brother? That you should care, even though it's not directly affecting you, um, because your brother is hurting. And when we began to see our brothers and sisters the way that God sees us, that they're not just people in categories that live in different places and we weren't affected, but humanity is hurting. Like I am, I, I, it, it, something in me hurts because my brothers and sisters in Syria. Are being persecuted, right? And that there are refugees that are see when I when I when I saw the the the, the chemical warfare that was going on over there, and they're spraying these babies down with hoses. That's not them. That's that's my brother that's hurting over there. And so to be a good Christian is to understand that um, I'm not just a Christian with people who look like me, who worship in the same denomination, and we pray the same way, and we sing the same way, but we're all created in the image of the same God. He is our Father. When we cry out, Abba, somebody in Africa is crying out, Abba, and we're all talking to the same God. And so when they're hurting, when they are afflicted, when there is social injustice, that is happening to all of us. That's why it should matter. That's why um, it should matter for black lives and Latino lives and and all those lives in between. Um, but at that particular time, if it's the black lives that are being um that are being persecuted, that are being, uh, that that social injustice is happening, then I should care about that. And I shouldn't be offended when somebody goes, oh, they're having a march or a movement saying that they're like, oh, they just care about, no, 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 no. We're not just saying we only care about black lives. Um, And so when I look at that, um, one of the things that I try to tell our congregation, and the beautiful thing that I get to have um, is that we look at a different type of um, uh, diversity um, because we're so, everybody, you know, we're black, white in Portland, but socioeconomically, you know, we're poor. So, you know, I tell people down in Portland, we don't deal with race as much as we deal with money. You know, people are not looking at black and white because everybody's chasing green, right? Um, Everybody's looking for money. So it's kind of cool to kind of watch culture kind of come together, and we joked about it when we were both working in Portland, how sometimes you'll forget that the white people will forget that they're not black, and the black people forget (laughs) that they're not white, and and you got all these little biracial children that are running around. So it's kind of a beautiful thing that's happening. Um, But we still are concerned with our brothers and our sisters. Um, When I was an undergraduate, I taught summer school in Appalachia. Um, I was one of two African-Americans on staff um, in Eastern Kentucky. And I remember my grandmother going, what are you doing taking your black behind to the Appalachian Mountains? They going to they get you. But it felt right. And I wanted to do it. And, you know, I think life's an adventure. So I took, the, took this gig teaching in um, Pine Mountain Settlement School, um, summer school there. And um, black guy, Afro driving up there. And I remember stopping for gas on my way up the mountain. And I walked through the door, and the gas attendant said, who are you? And uh, immediately I'm going, oh, this is a black thing. It's going to make it racist. And And he said, no, he said, because we know all the black families in this area, and we've never seen you before. And so something clicked in my head because I realized they weren't worried about my skin color. They literally did not know who I was as an individual. Who are you? and over that summer and over the next three summers I did it for three summers um, I got to know a lot of those families there you know I've got a you know a a tribe of Appalachian kids that are Facebook friends with me now and their families invite me and I get to mourn when they lose loved ones and rejoice when they um, have weddings or have babies um, because they now know who I am as an individual not that I had a black summer school teacher
1: right Right. so we on this this podcast we talk about better stories right and I feel like in this conversation a lot of times the option is CNN, Fox News, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Those yeah. are the stories that you get or, you know, whatever version of that that it is. What what does that look like for somebody who's saying, I don't want to just be limited by what the culture's yelling at me. I, I want to live something better. I want to speak something better. When it comes to the culture that we're a part of, we're getting to know someone versus skin color. I. I what does that look like? In, in this world, how do we have those better stories? And I know that's broad, but what do you what do you guys think?
2: Well, I think a lot of it has to do with which is what really what um, Mac and Matt uh, both just spoke about is actually taking the time to understand creation itself um, and the fact that we were all. This is language that we constantly use is that we were all created in the image of God. And so we can't get caught up. The media only tells a portion of the story. And um, and so no matter if you are for or against Fox or CNN, mm-hmm. it's still very much limited um, as far as what they're truly representing. You never get the full story. And, um, and dependent upon your political leanings, they'll only further distance you from the other side. And so what we've got to do, which just going even back to your uh, question prior question is we've got to be willing to do the work beyond what the media gives us to understand the better story, and so we've got to ask ourselves a question. Even if something does not directly affect us, we've got to again what Matt pointed out. We've got to look and ask ourselves the question. Well, I wonder how does this affect this person who may live here, who has this experience, and not just think about like how does it benefit me? Because I think one of the greatest traps. Uh, kind of social injustice We can even spiritualize it the enemy, is, the enemy makes sure that We do not look through life Through the eyes of community And through a people We look at it by our own individual selfishness mm-hmm. And so if we can look beyond that Then I think that that can help to heal So that we can have a greater story for humanity One of the things that we're fighting Even back home Is there. Uh, there's a bill um, That they're calling the Neighborhood Schools Bill And um, it is seeking um, one of the um, state representatives uh, for one of our suburban areas uh, has proposed this bill for the state that students in our, our entire state will then have to go to the school closest to their home. And, um, and there are a lot of people in suburbia who are like, yeah, I'm tired of busing and, and they're thinking that it's going to be the best move. Uh, part of what we've been arguing is that, well, this actually wouldn't be the best move for you. I know that when you're thinking about time and travel, it seems and appear as though it would be the best thing for you. But in all actuality, it's going to hurt our culture. It's going to hurt, hurt our culture. Number one, Louisville is the fourth most segregated county uh, or city in the, uh, in the state. Which is amazing. I mean, I'm sorry, in the in the uh, the nation, nation. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: and so and then Jefferson County, our county is tenth worst in regards to um, uh, to uh, to poverty, uh, segregated poverty, uh, or concentrated poverty, rather. And so, uh, so if this is the case, then and you have. Uh, a community, say for instance, like where Mac is in Portland, where um, again, it's not necessarily about black or white, it's about poor. So if you got all these poor people who are going to go to school and they look at people look just like themselves, then what hope is there? Right. But also, statistically, if you, you look at the greatest or the most successful corporations uh, in America, you look at the Fortune 100, uh, the most successful, innovative, and creative and greatest companies are all those that appreciate diversity. Uh, they, depreci- they they appreciate it in um, in ethnicity, but also uh, in gender, and so um, so for us as a nation, even if it does not directly impact us, the better story comes by recognizing I do better if my brother and sister, even if I never see them, mm-hmm. if they're doing better, right. we all do better mm-hmm. together. One of the challenges that we get we have to stop allowing the media to divide us and allowing politicians to divide us because I'm not for sure that anyone in Washington or any of our state capitals really care about the advancement of our people, of us as a people together. They only care about their own self-interest, our people with big dollars. And so we've got to be able to look beyond that and listen uh, beneath the surface of the rhetoric that we get um, shout out to us on a day-to-day basis.
1: And that's, in my mind, that's what, even in this friendship we've experienced we're better because of each other mm-hmm. you know and it, it's not about race it's about the experience that you bring and I bring and, and sharing that together so so for somebody who wants to engage this conversation in a deeper way all of you where, where would you start what would be a resource or a book or a you know a place to kind of begin um, somebody who's saying man this conversation is prompting something in my heart how, how do I how, where would I start
0: or they're the other readers. I don't do a lot of reading. <laughs> you draw pictures, though. I do. I draw a lot of pictures. <laughs> so if you if you want to see my new follow me. At, <laughs> but I will say this because we were just because we were just talking about the media. So I made it my business to. I really wanted to understand the mindset of um, I'll be honest, Trump supporters. Right? Like I wanted to understand like how could you? Because my viewpoint is this man is this is this this. And this. <laughs> And so after the election, after I got out of my, out of my feelings, I really did, um, I wanted to understand better. And so one of the things that's immediately available to all of us is, is the media, social media, and television and newspapers and all this stuff. But we tend to, and even social media will um, drift to us those things that are in our bubble, oh, right? Think, yeah. And so I started looking in the other bubbles. Like I really wanted to hear, like, how, how does this make sense? Like, why did it, why did you, no, no judgment. I'm really trying to seek and understand. And so for a lot of people, you know, that may not have the opportunity to pick up a book or do it, look on the other side, look on the other side. And, and don't just listen, but hear. Mm. Um, you know, I, I share with my congregation all the time. Listening is I'm, I'm talking and the words are coming to you. But when you hear, you're you're receiving the words unto yourself. Right. And so I got to hear a different perspective that I never thought of before. Um, I got to hear brothers and sisters who did not look like me, who, um, who voted differently than I did. And they gave the reasons why. And it had nothing to do with racism. And it, did, it had nothing to do with me personally, right? Um, so take that journey with what's immediately available to you. Now, there's some stuff out there that is just straight hate field, so don't be ignorant in, in, in that sense. But be willing to say, okay, the, this is immediately what's available to me right now. And hey, I noticed that my coworker liked it. Like, I really want to understand. Like, can we talk about that? And I'm not. I'm not. I really want to understand. Yeah. Um, Van Jones started a series. Um, on CNN um, where he did just that, where he went to Ohio and um, he talked to people who had previously voted for Obama and then they voted for President Trump and he wanted to understand. And it was probably one of the best um, uh, journey series that I've seen on television. So if you get an opportunity to check that out, I would strongly suggest uh, people check that out as well. If you want a book, I think um, make sure you finish it don't
3: quit halfway but read Between the World and Me by Coates um it's phenomenal it's not a Christian perspective but it is it's it's this man who I think is like in his 40s maybe yeah early 40s yeah who's writing to his son uh he's African American writing about the different life that he grew up in compared to his son it's honest it's vulnerable it's powerful um but even bigger than... So I read a lot of books, tons of them, and I learn a lot of facts, and I learn to ask smarter questions, which is helpful. But uh, call somebody. Like, I think, like, actually find out an actual story, not a not a soundbite. Um, call somebody. FaceTime with somebody, even if you don't know it. Like, call Jamel. He's got time. <laughs> <coughs> Nothing but time. But I mean, seriously, like, I, I guarantee you one of us would... Sit down and and talk, find somebody in your community, ask, uh, like, take the time to listen to somebody's story. Mm -hmm. And it is important to get educated and watch videos. And I mean, the 13th was great to watch, and I had better specific questions after that documentary. A bunch of books, I've read a ton, they were good for me. But the most influential thing is to just have time where I listen to somebody and recognize our brotherhood. And recognize that that's my sister. Yeah. And and you just understand individuals better and then you understand us better. Mm-hmm. Um, and our technology's crazy because right. you can get a hold of anybody.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's important labels are dangerous in categories mm-hmm. um, and so at this state we are we are liberal liberal, conservative, mm-hmm. we are Democrat, Republican, we are black, we're white, Hispanic, vegan. Asian yeah, right <laughs> vegan. all those it things <laughs> vegan. Yeah. Yeah. So go- going back you know again to the earlier conversation, when when people only exist in those categories to you, it's almost impossible to see their humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really toxic in our culture today, is we just put people in those boxes and we leave them there, which allows us to be insensitive to their stories. Um, I remember um, some years back there was a documentary um, on HBO um, called Bastards of the Party. And it was the the historical, um, um, well, the story of the beginning of the Crips gang in L.A. And uh, which were actually, it was actually started out of the Black Panther Party. It was started as something positive that took a drastic turn to what we know today. And, um, and I remember the guy um, who was a former gang member who uh, made the documentary at the end of it. And it, whenever I see it, it brings me to tears. Um, he has just pictures of all of these caskets and these kids who died to gang violence. And, um, and so they'd show the picture, and then they'd show their gang name. And so it could be uh, the picture of this, this young guy or girl in the casket, and it'd have little gangster guy, whatever their name is. And it'd pause for a moment, and then it would flip, and it'd give their given name. Mm-hmm. And I could just remember sitting and watching And the emotion that I would feel when they would go from Little Gangster to James Wilson Mm. and just how badly that touched me. The importance of getting to know people beyond those labels is because someone will tell us that all people in that group is this. But when you know their name and when you know their story, you can have compassion for them. And, um, and so that's why it's important. So I don't think that there's any excuse in 2017. I think that's essentially what both Mac and Matt were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going even back, well, to both their points, uh, Brian Leridge says this all the time, and I think it's great. Um, we have to make sure that we are intentional about getting to know people who don't look like, act like, think like, and vote like us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, And until we gain understanding from one another... Our world won't get better, but we have to move beyond labels.
3: Yeah, and I would say with that, like originally, like I'll come to something defensive or embarrassed that I don't know, or mm-hmm. you know, like with cards up. Mm-hmm. And like real honestly, Jamel and I became friends over grief. Mm-hmm. We had a shared grief. We lost a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I reconnected. you were there too. Mm-hmm. The three of us reconnected., well, I'd never met Mac and but Jamel and I reconnected. At the funeral And we're like Hey we should do coffee Almost as like a Memorial to our friend Mm. And in this vulnerable moment Became friends And then I Desperately needed a friend Right um, Because I was going through Some stuff in my family And Jamel Was kind enough to Listen to me Sob over coffee But like that's Friendships come from Like vulnerable spots Mm -hmm. And being vulnerable With people who are you may have seen as them before is, is where some of those boundaries kind of break down.
1: Yeah. I hear you guys talking about humility, humility that I may not be right. I mean, I have a limited understanding. And I may Jamel is right, though. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> Always. So last question I have for you guys, in this kind of a different direction. What, um, what are you most excited about in your life right now? What are you dreaming about? What are you passionate about? What's, what's going on? And I know it's this podcast, but you can pick something else too. <laughs> We're not excited at all. Clearly, There's <laughs> not a whole lot of excitement in this room.
0: <laughs> lunch, <laughs> right? lunch. Yeah, uh, yeah. you, know, you know, in our personal life, I see now I have to make sure that I'm not like giving a pastoral answer. I'm like, well, the church? got the answer. Yeah, I'll go first. I,
3: all right. I came out of. Uh, my family's crawling out of a couple tough years and our church is crawled out of like our first year and we're working on a building and I'm excited about not having to live chaotically. I learned to live chaotically and I'm fairly good at it and I don't think my life is currently requiring me to live chaotically, but I only know how to right now because it's just a couple year pattern. So I'm excited to like relearn stuff. How do that's I good. pastor not in in chaos? How do I function as a dad or husband in like
0: a good spot? Um, I'm excited to learn that because sadly, I think I've forgotten that. And so I see that's why you had to go first because <laughs> I, I am actually excited about that. So you know, for me, <laughs> well, I'm excited for you, but I'm also you know so so for. For myself, which it, it then trickles down into my family, my marriage, my family, and into the church, is that um, this whole idea of coming out of this survivor's mentality um, and you know being been in survival mode, you know, um, you know, you need more money, you get another job, and or if somebody comes at you, you fight them, you know, uh, you know, it's just survival mode, survival mode, and so uh, realizing that, um, and it's easy to realize it for other people. Uh, that I don't have to live in survival mode all my life, that I can actually thrive. Mm -hmm. I don't have to exist. I can actually live. Um, And the faith that I have for others, that I can actually apply that for myself. So I'm excited about that because I'm actually starting to see that manifest a little bit. Um, I'm starting to dream again a little bit and and have some thoughts for William, which is is really, really exciting. Um, And may not have all the answers lined up right now, but I'm excited that I'm actually be able to go. You know what? That is a possibility for me, um, and um, I feel like that's brought a, a new energy, a new spirit um, in our marriage, um, and um, um, and at home, um, and and in, and in the church. So, yeah, I'm 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 with Matt on that.
2: Yeah, I still don't have an answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as I'm thinking
2: of, you know, one of the things that you know as. As as you get older, um, and it's part of my dysfunction um, as well is I um, I don't I don't celebrate or yeah that, I just don't do those things well. Jamel doesn't have emotions. That's, that's what it <laughs> he does. He does. He has one. He has one <laughs> slightly grown. slightly grown. <laughs> okay. Yeah, see? That's Um so, encouragement or uh, thank you, yeah. <laughs> he's, We're keeping them humble. These are my these are my brothers, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, but part, I I always feel like I'm trudging uphill, Mm -hmm. and and so I really have this whole uh, performance dysfunction bad, and so every day I wake up um, fighting against my own perceptions or what I perceive other people to be perceiving about me. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get out of that. And so, which is me developing some new disciplines and behaviors in my devotional life and spending time in the reflection and God. So, if there's anything that's been fruitful for me over the last few months, I'd started at the beginning of the year uh, on trying to kind of break that um, so that I can move to a healthier place. Uh, But, you know, Mac probably knows this about me just about more than most probably anybody except for my wife, that that's that's kind of a space where I live. Like, so I'm always trying to be better. I don't know why I just am. And so. um, So, yeah. So just, uh, yeah, I'm excited about being able to say that out loud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, thank you. I tell everybody you are my best friends in Kentucky, and uh, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. probably say I'm your only friend in West Virginia. So <laughs> that that is true. That's, that's true. You're my true. best friend in West You're Virginia. My best friend in West Virginia. Thank you all. I appreciate it.